Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jeff Boyle. Jagler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jagler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jagler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The 2021 English Easter sale produced amazing figures, grossing 132 million with an average of $371,000. Top price lot was a schnitzel cult out of Oaks winner and Caulfield Cup runner-up Rising Romance, knocked down to Team Hawks for $2.5 million. The sale will also be remembered as the one that hosted the appearance of the last yearlings to be offered by the iconic Reduce Choice, who died in 2019. His final yearling to be offered was Lot 410, a cult from the Japanese mayor Malada, which was very fittingly led in by Arrowfield's Adam Shankly, who had worked with Reduce Choice for more than 17 years. The cult was passed in, but later purchased by bloodstock agent Guy Mulcaster and will go to the Chris Wallace stable. Reduce Choice had been a headliner at Australian yearling sales since his first crop went under the hammer at the 2003 Easter sale. He was to go on to become champion first season sire in 2004, champion two-year-old sire in 05 and 06, champion overall sire three times and at the height of his powers commanded a service fee of $330,000. It was a bittersweet experience for John Massara and the Arrowfield team when the last crop by this colossus of Australian breeding took the stage in the Riverside Auditorium. The English Easter Sale 2021 brought down the curtain on the 20-year reign of an incredible horse. I was very sorry to learn recently that trainer Paul Cave has been on the sick list. The highly respected horseman is slowly getting back on his feet following a battle with heart arrhythmia and multiple strokes, which required five weeks of hospitalisation and rehabilitation. Paul's wife, Martha, has done a tremendous job looking after a 14-horse team in the Curra Lodge stables at Warwick Farm and the Mulgoa property where they spell and pre-train their horses. During Paul's recovery period, the couple have switched roles. Martha at Curra Lodge and Paul is enjoying the quieter environment at rural Mulgoa. In an era which is all about speed, Paul Cave is a unique trainer. He absolutely loves a stayer and is always delighted when a new horse boasting a stayer's pedigree comes into the stable. His reputation as a trainer of stayers has probably hindered his prospects of attracting new owners, but long-term patrons testify to his training technique, his patience and his inherent skills as a horseman. Irish-born Paul Cave had a thorough grounding in flat and national hunt racing in his home country, always harbouring a desire to become a horse trainer. He got to Australia under the assisted passage scheme in the early 1970s and quickly fell in love with our racing. 
A chance conversation with a doctor led him to a thoroughbred called Lord Volos, who became his very first winner as a professional trainer, and that was 45 years ago. Good humour, a friendly disposition, and a lilting Irish accent have won him a million friends in his adopted country. Let's find out how he's going as he recovers from his recent health scare. Paul, it's a delight to catch up. How are you feeling? Feeling well. Good, good John. I'm, I'm um, a beautiful morning this morning. Now the wind has dropped. Uh, I've been out feeding up and uh, repairing these endless electric fences. Great when they're working, but <laughs> not mm. so good when they require treatment. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm back. Uh, I rolled the hack a few times. So um, I'm on the recover. You'd been dealing with some heart arrhythmia, but you were certainly not expecting what was to follow. How did it happen? You were out in the horse track, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I had the, um, the operation. It set the arrhythmia, uh, set it in, in line, mm. and uh, it was successful. And uh, I was going to uh, Warwick Farm and, I was going to uh, went out to the truck and uh, I felt a sort of oh numbness in one side mm. left, left left side and I went into the house and uh, Martha was in there and uh, she said my speech was very uh, slurred and and um, non coherent sort of thing so she she should call the ambulance immediately and. It ended up anyway. I, over that period, a uh, few days, I had three strokes. Mm. Goodness me! The well, treble. <laughs> the, yep, the treble, the trifecta. <laughs> well, Paul, as if you didn't have enough problems, Martha was not long over a broken leg and a pretty serious one. Yes, yeah, she she uh, was unloading a horse, slipped on the ramp, uh, or coming off the ramp. And sat down, uh, lost its hind legs, and uh, she was pinned. Her uh, left leg was pinned um, there, and uh, she broke the tibia and fibia. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the Cornella. That's the Cornella. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Martha almost pulled off a clever little training triumph at Warwick Farm the other day with your old favourite Monsieur Sisu. He ran second yes. over 1,600 metres at his first start in almost nine months. A great advertisement for the hill work you give them on that property. Yes, it, we, um, I discussed it with the owner, and even though we had a rel- relatively wet summer, I said, look, we're better off waiting for the winter for this horse because you can get a heavy 10 uh, on a Wednesday and the track will be good on a Friday. Yep. But if you get a heavy ten on a Wednesday, it won't be <laughs> yeah. it won't be a, a, a fast track on, on Saturday. So we decided to spell him, and um, which I don't like doing with older horses. But there's no point in racing them if uh, the, the, the tracks aren't suitable. So mm. we spelled him, and uh, we give him we gave him a lot uh, six weeks, I think, of hill work up here, and. It was beautiful because 
suited him. He's out in the paddock all day and night, pull him in, work him, put him out again. Yeah. And a horse like him, an older horse, he, he really landed to it, you know. Mm. Well, Monsieur Sisu is no champion, Paul, but you'd love a barn full like him. 36 I, yeah, starts, yeah. five yeah. wins, 11 placings, $363,000, and all five wins have been on city tracks. Yes, he's, he, he's, um, he's out of um, his mother I trained, uh, uh, Lady Pass. He's everything out of, out of the mare. They're quirky, and he's a bit quirky, but they've, they've got, they've got a, a will to, to run, you know, and um, mm. and uh, but they're not they're difficult enough. Easy horse to ride up at the farm in here. Um, he doesn't stir up in that, but he's mm. a bit of a character. He'll drop the shoulder and see if you're sitting on it. You know, he's yeah, yeah, bit of personality. Now take me back to County Cork, where you were born seventy-two years ago. You've been around horses. All of your life, what horse disciplines were you involved with in the early days at home? Um, well, I was involved. Well, I was a, went to boarding school, and uh, um, on the holidays, uh, I was always out to go hunting. Um, of course, it, it's it, the freedom of hunting cross country, mm. the uh, unsure. <laughs> results going over these big ditches and banks. Mm. It really, really was a thriller. Um, and uh, I grew up with that and uh, enjoyed every moment of it. You got yourself to Australia at a very economical price, arriving in April of 1970, 51 years ago. You got a job in the construction industry, which you did only as a means of eating and paying the rent. You didn't like it at all. But during that time, you met a doctor, didn't you, who enjoyed horse riding, and he had a brother-in-law who had a troublesome thoroughbred. Yes, correct. He he, he, he sort of retired the horse and um, he liked for his kids to ride it. And, um, well, on working the horse... In the mornings before I went to work, I uh, said, "This horse won't make makes a suitable horse for kids. He's uh, he's quite wayward and quite hot." So um, we put him in, put him back into work. Uh, I put him on into work under um, Malcolm Abe, mm. Philip Abe, actually, and. Uh, he, he ran second uh, first up, and uh, I went over to Ireland for a few months. Uh, turned him out, turned him out, and went over and uh, was helping my brother-in-law with his national hunt horses. And um, the bug hit me. I came mm-hmm. back, and I was enjoying enjoying that so much. Uh, when I came back, I took out a license and um, uh, and. Uh, Put this horse into work, Lord Vaughan, and mm-hmm. he won a Iron Maiden at Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle, yeah. Yep. So your first winner as a professional trainer was Lord Volos at Newcastle, and the jockey is a marvel. He, he is yeah. still riding track work at Warwick Farm, 
six is. days a week in his mid-60s, Brian Wood. He's a great man, great horseman, uh, lovely uh, he's got a lovely way with a horse. I've watched him and um, there aren't many like him, I can tell you. Well, Clary Connors swears by him, Paul. He rides a, a large percentage of Clary Connors' horses in track work. He does, and uh, Clary would be lost without him. He's, uh, he's well, they don't make guys like him anymore, horsemen like that. They're, mm. He's a true horseman. Apprentice to Larry, old Larry Wiggins. He was a character. He was, yep. Yes, Brian Wood yeah. came to Sydney in the 1960s from New Zealand. And yeah. uh, as we said, he's still going. He loves it. Yeah, he's a very competent man. Now, Paul, you never know um, how long it's going to take for that first city winner to come along. Took a while for you. It would have been in the late 70s or maybe around 1980. And it was a little mare called Lady Splendid. I think she won a two-year-old oh, yes. race. Yes, that's correct. And uh, jockey was Wayne Harris. Mm. Yep. Um, Phil Rubin, uh, Taronga stood uh, through a friend of mine, Kevin Doyle, who's an Irish vet. He uh, started sending me some horses, and uh, Lady Splendid was uh, was one of them. Mm. Well, that little mare made a name for herself at stud. She became the dam of Marimbula Bay, who won the Correct. 1989 Doncaster. That's right. Yep, yeah. She was a tough little thing. You lost a very valuable facility when the open land adjacent to Warwick Farm Racecourse was purchased by Inglis to make way for the development of the wonderful Riverside Sales Complex. Now, previously, well, your horses spent more time at Riley's Paddock than they did on the training tracks, especially uh, the nervy horses, the hyperactive ones. Paul, you'd spend hours leading them from a hack, teaching them it was okay to relax. It was a great environment. Uh, I can't believe it. Um, I should... It, the... the uh, part it affected us most most was uh, the land across from uh, Inglis's which was sold this that's where, where the, the Riley's was mm -hmm. they sold it to uh, um, Dakin Corporation the big factories in there mm -hmm. and it was priceless you know it we had two half mile tracks um Harold, the late Harold Riley, he maintained one of them. He, put, he was a, a good man on a dozer. And you could, you could go down there and you could train any horse. You could train any horse down there. With Tony Marlman, the late Tony Marlman and I, but uh, we slashed away through um, the Lantana down by the river base. Mm -hmm. Which was great for riding yearlings and that sort of thing. And uh, you could, leaving my yard, going down there, round the trails, and to the track was just nearly on three miles. Mm -hmm. uh, you could sort of really warm them up. Uh, those good stairs I had, and um, 
that worked there before going onto the track. Yeah. Paul, you've had horses over the years which would never been heard of had it not been for Riley's Paddock. That's true. Yeah, there's um, that, um, oh, the, yeah, I forget his name now. Um, oh, I won the Chris, I won the um, Queensland Cup and I won the Perth Cup. Um, yeah, respect. Respect, yeah. Mm. Sorry. He was a hard pulling horse and uh, he, he'd work around there first trot around there and then go onto the track and I'd only ever work him mm. uh, uh, fast work once one lap mm. because he'd pull too much and uh, but by utilizing the the, the trails it, it kept him half sane mm. I, I was able to try, able to train him you know? yeah mm. We'll have a look at him a little later, respect. Now, that farm you've got at Mulgoa, 200 acres, has virtually taken the place of Riley's paddock. You even make a practice of taking your racehorses back there for a few days after they've raced. Yes, indeed, um, especially um, those that are in a serious campaign or um, had a hard run. You bring them back, and invariably they eat up that night. You throw them in the paddock or in the yard f- mm. if they're a bit sturdy for a day or two, and then mm. out into the paddock, and they eat up straight away. Mm. Wonderful, which, which is great because you 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 can keep them ticking over. That's the thing. Yeah, Paul. Let's look at some of the nice horses you've prepared over the years. You've always said your favourite was a lovely chestnut mare called Mingling Glances, who won seven yes. all up, including a dazzling sequence of four straight at one stage, and three of the four were in Melbourne. One of them That's was nice. the BMW plate on Cox Plate Day 1994. I remember it well. I actually called that race. Rodney Quinn rode her. That's, yeah, that's right. Quinny, yeah. Mm. Great, another great horseman. Um, yeah, she was a mare uh, prepared by Tronga Stud and I bought her for Japanese clients mm. and um, from Taronga um, by Yates. And uh, difficult mare to train, tarty if it, it would describe her, mm. but but uh, but God, she put her heart into it when. Mm. Well, uh, she, she was a very good mare. Around that same time, you trained a stayer called Sito Bridge for the same owners, the Australian yes. Blood Horse Club of Tokyo Syndicate, who were one of the first Asian groups to race horses in Australia. How did that association get underway? Well, it was interesting. I, I had... Um, I, I um, interviewed a woman to, for a position in the office, and uh, mm. uh, times were a bit tough at the time. And she said, "What do you need? Uh, I need an, an injection of an Arab, somebody with money." I said. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said, um, "Oh, my husband uh, exports live lobsters to uh, to um, Japan." They said, how, "How about Japanese?" I said, "It'll do." 
So she worked on it. We put things together. We put a. I I I I never forget. Actually, we rented a helicopter and flew over Warwick Farm. At that time, Ingham's had just been developed at Crown oh. Lodge, Godolphin, yeah. you call it. Mm-hmm. It just had been built and structured. And I <laughs> took a photograph of my place up to Clary Connors, which was owned by Barker at the time, mm-hmm. and old Clary, Clary Connors, um, what's his name, Harry Clark in the place there. And they, were all, they were all actually for the sale then. Mm. So we took a full aerial photograph of that, and this is <laughs> it was sort of a yarn, really. We sort of said this because for Japanese you have to produce a plan. Mm. So we said um, we develop. We're going to develop this as Coral. This is Coral Lodge, and uh, and um, and we're buying horses. And uh, well, they went. They, they liked our plan, and. Um, and uh, we, we, we uh, started buying horses for them. Mm. Goodness me. Well, one of those horses was Cito Bridge, and you won a Newcastle Cup with him and a South Australian St Ledger. I think Leanne Olsen was his jockey in the Newcastle Cup. That's right. That's right. He was, he, he was a great horse. Um, he was... Um, by Bellotto, yeah, that's right. Um, mm. And I had another one by him, uh, Cito Stair, who ended up. Uh, I took him to Japan mm. for for the owner because it's very prestigious. Being invited, being a Japanese owner, mm. having a horse in Australia and getting invited to race in in in, in um, Japan, mm. and. Uh, that was him, Satosair. He ran third. Yeah. Mm. And another one uh, you had for the owners was Cito Flaurian. She won a stakes yes. race at Randwick. She did. She, she, she was a lovely, lovely mare. Um, tough. Bellotto as well. Mm. She was, yeah. Now they were um, Mr. Prospector Line, yeah. They were good owners and um, they, they sort of. The club dwindled. Um, uh, the chap that was running it failed to uh, syndicate the horses in Japan, mm. so wound up sadly. But um, uh, one of the owners was Namba. Mm. Um, he kept his horses, which was Cito Bridge and mm. Cito Stair mm. and Cito Florian. He kept them mm. and raced them. Uh, with me, yeah. Mm. One of your all-time favourites and certainly one of the best horses you've trained is Pastor Express. Nine wins, 12 placings, $670,000. He won a Kembla Cup, a Christmas Cup, a Hill Stakes, a Chelmsford Stakes. He ran second in a Summer Cup and in an AJC Metropolitan. Gosh, he was a good stayer. He was a grand little horse, and uh, I remember um, Colm Sanctuary, who was uh, he was w- working for um, oh the horse was bred on study uh, um, was where was he bred now uh, and Antigos place uh, who's mm. um, sister Antigos property oh Barrymore. 
Barrymore, yeah. Barrymore, yep. Yeah, and uh, Colin rang me. Colin is from the same part of the world. I was, uh, he's from Cork, and he said, I've got a little horse here, he said, the owners. Uh, he's a small little horse. That the, the, They're not going to put him through the sales. Mm. I suggest I suggested that they put him a due. And uh, he was only a small horse. And, uh, mm. and uh, we broke him in and got him going, and uh, the rest of his history. He was a grand, grand. Mm. Oh, he was great a great horse. little horse, Pastor Express. Yeah. Now, Paul, Bart Cummings made the Melbourne Cup his own. Gay Waterhouse has done a similar thing with the Doncaster. Paul Cave's race was the STC Christmas Cup run at Rose Hill. You Gosh, won it yes. five times. 1998 with Lahar, 1999 Pastor Express, 2002 with Early Bird, Terry Jones rode Early Bird, 2003 with Satterar, Craig Carmody, and 2006 with a horse called Taken at the Flood, ridden by Hugh Bowman. You know, when you that forgot race... one. I forgot, forgot one? the first one, yep. Who, Laha? Um, no, um, Prince Wayand. Wayand, he, he, uh, he was my first one. Well, you've won six of them then. Yep. You've won six. Well, I know when that race came around every year... People were saying, hey, has Paul Cave got one in the Christmas Cup? <laughs> I've, I'll have one, we might have one next year, hopefully. But mm. um, the first one was Prince Wayne, owned by the legendary Tim Bristow. Oh, dear. Yep. <laughs> a character of a man, a yep. funny fellow. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, he had a good horse called Bill Gold, a boy, years ago. That's right. Yeah, Bill Gold, boy. Mm. I, I had him very briefly, and Bill Gold, a girl, yeah. Um, yes, uh, I can tell you some stories about that. <laughs> yeah, he um, he had uh, he bought the horse in New Zealand, and, and the Madisons trained it first, mm. uh, who were from New Zealand. And uh, he gave it to me. He, he took it from them and he gave it to me. And, mm. and he was my first one, Prince Wayne. Yeah, I can't remember the date, John. I, if I was in the office, the mm. stables, I, I, I'll have it up on the um, up on the on the wall. Mm. Paul, I'll get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast. When we come back, we'll take a closer look at that lovely grey mare. Lahar. Back with Paul Cave after this. From July the 1st, 10 race programs will become the norm at Sydney's Saturday race meetings. This is the result of the introduction of midway races for horses trained in the smaller metro and provincial stables. Midway races will carry $100,000 in prize money, as will the tab highways up from $75,000, while normal Saturday races will go to $130,000. Country Sky 1 races will go to $24,000, Sky 2 races to $15,000, and Country Non-Tab to $10,000. Another 20 meetings will be added to the Country Showcase Series, where minimum stakes will be $30,000. Feature races to receive a prize money boost are the Epsom to 1.5 million and the time-honoured Villiers goes from 250 to 750,000. 
the English sales this year have produced unbelievable figures at both ends of the market, a clear indicator that many new owners are coming into the industry as individuals, as members of smaller ownership groups, or as members of larger syndicates formed by recognised syndication companies. You don't have to own winks to cover all X's and to have a lot of fun in town, on the provincials, or on the country circuit. There's never been a better time to go racing in New South Wales. My special guest is Paul Cave. Lahar suited your style of training right down to the ground. Amazingly, none of her five wins were at group level. The Christmas Cup was a listed race, but she finished third in a Sydney Cup, second in a Doomben Cup. She dead-heated for third in Rogan Josh's Melbourne Cup, and that was easily your most thrilling day on a race course. You've never forgotten it. No, it's just as um, she was a great mare. Huh? She had, she had, she had toughness second to none. You know, she's very tough. But uh, she was wasn't easy to train. She's um, difficult. You know, she had her own ideas. But again. Tributed to the uh, facilities at Warwick Farm, it made it easier. Mm. A, a beautiful mare owned by another long-time client in John Thompson, whose horses raced in the Kiwi colours, the black right. jacket with the silver uh, fern. Sorry, that's right. Now tell me about Green Mailer, Paul. What's the story with that horse? He won a Group 3 the Kingston Town Stakes as a maiden, and it was his yes. only win. Uh, he, um, if I remember rightly, he he did attendance sometime after that, uh. and, he, and he retired. Yeah, he was a big horse, a big horse, and um, I said uh, we should have a crack crack at, her, at the Kingston Town. He's he's going well enough, and um, mm. even he was a maiden, but. Uh, and we did, and, and he won it. Well, that was a good trick, winning group threes with maiden horses. It doesn't happen every day. No, it did. No, it, um, he was a, probably a bit above average. Came and came too quickly. Like he came too quickly. Mm. Uh, he was furnished very very early yeah mm. not early as in years but um as an ability and his his uh, attitude to racing mm. you had a really nice horse in the mid 2000s called the free stater with whom you won seven races including the hawkesbury guineas the group 3 frederick clissold and the group 3 liverpool city cup that must have been a big buzz, Paul, to win the cup there on your home track at Warwick Farm. It it, it was. It uh, he was a he was a good horse, the Freezer Stater. Um, uh, I'll tell you, you'd be interested <laughs> in his name. Um, he was one of the owners. Uh, he was by Over Stallion Over, mm. and. Uh, one of the owners is from the north of Ireland, and he said, um, call him the Free Stater. And I said, why? 
because my mother said to me, don't ever go over the border. You cannot trust the free staters. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we named the horse the free stator, yeah. Yeah, good name. A very good name. Now go back to Conair. Uh, you'd remember him. You won the Grand yes. Prix in Brisbane on a bog track with Mick Dittman in the saddle. Yes, yes, he was, he was, he was a gallant, big horse too. Um, he was, uh, yeah, I remember him. He's, he has, he had heart, all heart. Not all of your stakes winners have been stayers, Paul. You won a lovely little stakes double in 2007 with a horse called German Chocolate, the Group 3 Missile Stakes and the Group 2 Premier Stakes. Yeah, he was a funny little horse. When we broke him in up at the farm here, the, the, uh, the rider used to do somersaults on his back. It, it, it treated him like a pony mm. and he behaved like such. It was amazing. To say, I was up at the farm here one day and I was watching him clowning around on him. I said, Jesus, uh, <laughs> that's, that's going to be a racehorse, is it? I said, you're an uh, acrobat. He, he had no, he, he was happy to, he would have been happy to um, turn out as a as a pony, you know, that, that sort of thing. Mm. He was not, not, not overly competitive, just done the, the, the job. But when he came to the stables, and when he learned to leave the gates, that was it. That yeah. was it. He was. Um, he had some speed. He had indeed. Mm. So he just needed the scent of battle. Yeah, the to, scent of battle. That's right, John. To yeah. put his racehorse hat on. Yeah, mm. that's indeed. Apart from Monsieur Sisu, who certainly has another win or two within his reach. There are two other members of your team you're fairly optimistic about. One of them, McGeehan, the other, Cliffs of Moore. Neither of them are racing at the moment. No, McGeehan's back in. Uh, Cliffs of Moore's another couple of weeks off. Uh, McGeehan had a little problem, muscle in his back, uh, so we eased him up, uh, but he's fine. He's going very well now. And... Um, because winter tracks will suit him, so we're hoping to get him firing for you know for the winter. Is he the horse uh, you're looking at the Christmas Cup with later in the year? Yeah, it would, especially if it was wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll make a note of that. Cliffs of Moor to give Paul Cave his seventh Christmas Cup. Yep. Paul, few Sydney trainers have offered more support to female jockeys than you have. You've been extremely supportive of the girls ever since they started to get a foothold in Sydney racing. In more recent times with Cathy O'Hara, you've had a great association with Cathy. Cathy is a very good horseman woman. She's um, she, she has show jumpers and... Um, like she's the fences she jumps on shows them, but she's fearless. And um, well, she's a horseman, a horse person, mm. competent. Yeah. And um, and a great 
And this thing too is, uh, you know, she doesn't have to waste. But must be, but must jockey have, having to waste is is, is um, detrimental. Yes, I think you know, she, Kathy can do anything. She can eat anything, and mm-hmm. more or less. And uh, she's a very competent rider. I and wasn't. As, mm-hmm. uh, as in uh, other fields. Uh, of the equine industry, uh, venting, show jumping, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, female riders hold their own, and uh, and we're seeing it now, um, holding their own in, in racing. Mm. There was a female jockey who won the the Grand English Grand National. Mm. Good God, I mean that's one of the toughest races there are. Yeah, and it was unheard of, wasn't it, in the early days? Oh, unheard of, yes. Mm. But uh, that is a race. Uh, you've seen it, John. The, the Grand English Grand National. That's a proper race. Mm. I mean, that's uh, four four and a bit miles of hard fences. You know. Mm. I couldn't help but notice recently that Monsieur Sisu was ridden one day in a Canterbury win by a young lady of Irish descent, Louise Day. Yes. Yes, she's she's um, a competent rider. She's um, um, I don't know much about about her uh, background. Irish background, yeah, mm. but um, she's certainly uh, competent on a horse. You know, she's put together. She holds them together, mm. and. Uh, Get them balanced, and the travel, travel. Now there is one member of your operation for whom you have nothing but praise, and that's your stepson Charlie Brister, an exceptional horseman. You tell me. Charlie's an exceptional horseman. He's been, he's just about to ride one over here at the farm for me now, and he's um, he's. Has his own place now uh, up in uh, is it Never Mac, not Never McMurney's a trainer up there has a property with a track and everything on it, and he's retired and he's kept the property and Charlie's leasing it. Charlie, uh, we send them all up mm. to knock, knock the rough edges off because Warwick Farm is now is. Uh, it's getting too tough with the um, too many horses um, uh, and not enough facilities. Mm. Um, so I just send them up there to him, and um, he gets them going very well. Uh, he's picking up a couple of breakers today, and uh, he's Charlie's very good coach as well. He's um, coach. He, he is he is a coach, and he coaches jumping. And he competes himself jumping. He, do, he, he he used to event a lot, but he's now turned more to show jumping because it has it's less time consuming. Whereas eventing is a full time job, really. Whereas uh, shoot show jumping is, is easier. Mm. So he's a he's a very very good co- coach and a good horseman. He studied in America. He was over there for a while. Um, 
um, brought back some very, very interesting things. One thing about this game, John, you never stop learning, and I'm learning still mm. <laughs> by methods and things he's using. Well, I know I speak on behalf of the Sydney Racing Fraternity in extending to you our best wishes for a full, you, a full recovery from your recent setback. Your absence has been noted at the races and at Warwick Farm track work and your many friends look forward to your return. Paul, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Get well soon and get yourself back to the track. Thank you, John. Thanks. Good talking to you.